Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, DJ Shannon. And on this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. You can listen to the show on any platform like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 69. Welcome back to another episode of the Club Management Podcast, the last episode of 2022, might I add. Um, And yeah, we're going right into the last installment of the Mamas in Music series. I can't thank you enough for listening to all of the stories this year, but there's something so touching about this series, hearing from all my mamas about how they're just being total badasses, not only in their field, but with parenting and uh, holding down the home fort for their families and themselves. So this has just been absolutely special, but um, I cannot say it enough. I won't ever stop saying it. I'm eternally grateful for all of your love and support this year. You know, I really learned to trust in my gut and believe in myself more than ever this year. Um, And a lot of that had to do with the love and the support and all the kind words. So, um, I can just honestly say I am really doing what I am supposed to be doing on this planet. Um, and God has put me here to tell these stories, to make people happy with, you know, my artistry, whether that's radio, whether that's DJing. And I'm so happy to have this superpower and to be sharing it with you all. Uh, And we're going to keep these episodes coming strong next year. I can't wait to see what kind of stories that I'm able to tell and what kind of things unfold. So really, really looking forward to all of it. So without further ado, let's get into the last episode of the Mamas in Music series. For this episode, we talked to two mamas in different parts of the world about their experiences with motherhood, producing, and music. For the first half of the show, we head to the UK for a lovely chat with Sarah Chen, better known as Iconica. The Hyperdub Records mainstay has spent over two decades making the world dance and thrash to her incredible tracks filled with a little bit of everything from dubstep and grime to house and a slew of other genres. There's something admirable about Iconica's ability to shape, shift, and transform to whatever the heck she feels like. Look no further than No Way. Iconica's contribution to Adult Swim's Digitalis compilation in 2021. bouncing track infuses South African Kwaito with a tinge of dance hall. I was also blown away with I Need You, a sultry dance track that features rolling on a piano and catchy synced melodies. Now, Iconica ascending dance floors reeling with her new EP Bubble Up, a project that showcases her vocals and love for vintage deep house. With a busy creative schedule, and a never-ending stream of production. I chatted with Iconica about how she juggles parenting while maintaining a steady pace of releases. She chatted with me about the inspiration behind her production, how life changed when motherhood came knocking, and what the future holds for her busy career. Just wanted to start out first before we get into your history with music and you know your your life outside of music as being a mom. Um, I'm just really interested to hear about your backstory first. Where are you from originally? 
Um, so um, I was born and raised in West London, UK. Um, my mother is Filipino and my dad is Egyptian and they both met here in London while working at the same hotel near Heathrow Airport. West London's always been um, very multicultural. Um, I think a majority of people are South Asian mostly, so I was brought up with a lot of South Asian influence mm. um, and culture. Um, and yeah, West London, I don't know, it's not its not exactly like on the map uh, when, when you talk about London, because everyone seems to be from South London or East London. So West London, it's kind of forgotten almost. Really? A little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, West London's kind of known to be uh, the kind of the posh area so um i'm not necessarily posh i'm from a working class middle class background mm. um it just depends what part of west london you're really talking about so i'm from hounslow um in in west london there's places like notting hill which you know is the borough of kensington which is like the richest borough in the uk mm. so yeah it, there's there's you know just when you say you're from West London, people kind of look at you a little bit funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then you tell them you're, you're from Hounslow and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and West London is known to be quite leafy. Like we have a lot of parks. Um, there's there's like a lot of royal land. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, growing up here was very much a mix of that, like seeing um, a lot of rich people about, but, you know, just being from Hounslow, it's, it's you know, like I said before, it's working class, middle class. So, yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So if I had to compare West London, well, your area of West London to kind of the ritzier parts, like what would that be in comparison to like New York, if you've ever been here? Would it be like an right. uptown versus downtown kind of thing? Um, yeah, I haven't been uptown that much, but it, it has just like a... I mean, I always just say I'm from Jersey in comparison <laughs> to other people. Like, if you're from South London, you're from Brooklyn. If oh, you're gotcha. from East, you're, um, I don't know, maybe, I'm, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Uh, I guess uptown, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and especially the part where I'm from wasn't really considered London until quite recently in the last, maybe, I don't know exactly. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming about 60, 70 years ago because it's greater London. So it's like deep West and it's like on the tube map, it's like zone six and mm -hmm. like incredibly close to Heathrow airport. Like it's a stone's throw away. Got you. Okay. Okay. Then that makes um, more sense in terms of <laughs> location. I've actually, I've never been to London yet. So I'm hoping that uh, is something that comes to fruition in 2023. I would love to come out there and play. Yeah, wow. definitely. We would love to have you out here because, yeah, like we're just so into our music. And I think just the conversation between London and New York, and I think there's a lot of similarities with kind of like the way we live and like how we go to clubs and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I think you're having a really good time. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. Um, and I'm really excited to hear about your just your journey with music in general. I was listening to your RA podcast um, and how, you know, sort of your early experiences of music were kind of reimagining and re-editing these TLC songs. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, when I think about your music now, because 
you've honestly been on like a beautiful transformation over the last decade with your music journey. And I almost, I always tell people when I listen to your music, I feel like you're in your like grown and sexy phase right now. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I totally am. Like um, even when I'm DJing, the BPM has gone slower and I'm taking my time with my mixes and I really want you to hear the melody and the beat and just, you know, take my time. I feel like, these days there's a lot of rushing around and mm-hmm. and kind of um um I don't know jumping around and I'm I'm feeling a bit too old to be like moshing about in the club so <laughs> you know yeah I'm definitely on my grown and sexy stage and I'm I'm glad you you, you can kind of see that <laughs> and I'm happy it's very evident so yeah thanks <laughs> yeah um I'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about those TLC tracks and how they have sort of inspired this grown and sexy journey that you're on now um yeah I mean my first love is R&B so yeah as a kid I was listening to like yeah TLC Aaliyah um a lot of kind of bad boy entertainment star R&B so like Total and Faith Evans um a lot of Brandy Monica yeah just just that R&B is my first love um and then kind of in later years like UK Garage was kind of coming about and um Mm. what I loved most was was that these UK Garage producers were doing bootlegs of R&B vocals um and and that was just that was just you know that was it for me that was just that just made me fall in love with Garage and kind of I guess dance music in general um and yeah I mean at the same time I was like messing around with like in hardcore and metalcore bands and emo bands because I started playing the drums when I was 11 and um I was just kind of in the practice room during lunch times and there was another guitarist there and um that person got me into a lot of rock music and I just thought it was very fun to play as a drummer because you know you know army and hip-hop is cool but it's just like you know it's just the same beat over and over again (laughs) um so I was really just kind of challenging myself and seeing how far I could take my drumming um so yeah I was that kind of funny kid that was just into all sorts at school and kind of you know was was friends with you know people from different scenes and and tribes so um yeah, I've I've always been like that. I I've always listened to anything and everything and just yeah, just enjoy music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. I think about those early bad boy days too. And yeah, Brandy, obviously she's been sampled, I mean, across all different kinds of house tracks, hip hop tracks, you name it. Mm. Um, and how she's also sort of influential in my journey of just trying to connect the dots between all kinds of genres, which I love so much about DJing because you can do that, even though that, you know, some people say that there's rules to this thing. Uh, I'm not a big believer in that. (laughs) So, but yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, as far as getting into production, because I'm finding it hard myself. um, What, like finding a comfortable space to feel like, you know, I can do production. Um, I don't know, maybe it's the tech stuff that's kind of like throwing me for a loop. And also it's my attention span. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it's the, just the translation. You have all these ideas in your head and it's like, how do I how do I get it into the computer and out of a speaker? Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's what troubles people the most. Um, uh, for me, how did I start? I started out on um, Fruity Loops, which mm. is now called FL Studio. And what I liked about that, it was like um, sequence based. So you can just kind of 
with your mouse, just, you know, tap in, you know, where you wanted all the different parts of the drums to go. And it was just very easy and accessible. Um, and I think at the time, I think my band must have broken up and I was like, I, I didn't want to stop music. Um, and, you know, instead of doing university work, I was making beats. Um, and I was trying to make um, kind of like Jay Dilla style hip hop, um, mm -hmm. kind of Stones Throw type hip hop. Um, and also <laughs> I was very influenced by like Neptunes and Timberland as well. So I was trying to kind of just kind of copy their beats really. Um, mm -hmm. I, I still call them practice beats. When I want to learn uh, like a new style, I will try and emulate it. And then, and I'll call it practice beats and then usually something goes wrong and it ends up becoming my own style, which, <laughs> which I quite like. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's like, you know, that would be a big tip for me to give is just try and copy because you can learn so much by, you know, trying to emulate somebody else's style. And you also learn your own style in the process. Mm -hmm. Did you, in your like early days of producing, did you have a mentor or somebody that you really looked to for advice to just kind of start learning more and taking things uh, to the next level with your production? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, my, my partner, we kind of learned together and we were kind of exchanging DJ tips at the same time. So um, mm. that that helped a lot. Um, but yeah, it was other than that, it was a it was a pretty lonely experience, but a very ha happy, lonely experience because um, I got to escape a lot of things and kind of, you know, really get into, you know, staying on my computer and, and go into a different world and zoning out. And um, that was kind of, uh, I guess, my therapy. And it still very much is my therapy where I can if I you know have time in the studio, that's like that is my own time to actually be myself and kind of, you know, be creative and, and be who I, who I really am. Mm -hmm. And especially as a parent, I mean, I want to, well, I'll talk about that a little bit later with you, but um, it's beautiful to see that you're finding space in between motherhood to, you know, dedicate time to music and the things that you love. Cause when kids come into play, it gets a little bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's just a lot of time management these days. I mean, I obviously had a lot more time yeah. um, four years ago <laughs> um, <laughs> prior to the birth of my child. So um, I, I, I think for me now, it's uh, what I tend to do is produce in my mind quite a lot, and I and I and I do bounce out my demos, and I do bounce out my efforts in the studio. Yeah. Um, even if it's just a sketch or there's not much there, I will listen to it quite, a, you know, quite a lot and just, and really kind of be like, right, that needs to change. Maybe I can add this. Um, just so when I go into the studio next time I'm prepared and I'm sort of not wasting time and my workflow is, you know, it's just consistent. Wow. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I feel really good about my routine now. And um, it's it's just it's just something I, I've kind of, I wouldn't say forced myself to, but it's something it's, it's necessary for me because, you know, like I said before, the music for me is, is therapy. So if I'm not there, like I don't know how I could cope with, you know, with just living in this world right now. So, yeah. yeah. 
It is very true. I leaned on a lot of music and just my creativity and art in general, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, I don't know what I would do without, you know, having music during that time. So I'm right there with you. Um, it's interesting to hear you talk about these early influences of R&B and hip hop in your music, and then to hear what this sort of dubstep sound that you were coming out with in what, um, like 2008 with Hyperdub was mm. around the first time, or was it even before that, even earlier? Um, I think dubstep for me kind of came into play around 2006 yeah. um, mm -hmm. and I, I started going to a lot of dubstep nights and um, the only other club nights I'd been to were you know like garage nights or R&B and hip-hop nights and um, and it was like just going to dubstep nights was like a completely different experience to me like I've, <laughs> I'd never been around like sound system culture um, so that was kind of my my gateway into actually being you know four walls of bass and my chest rattling and me swallowing bass for the first time and being like I don't understand why every club is not like this <laughs> <laughs> and and also just um just the kind of culture around it like no flashy lights or you know like you know people getting you know drunk or like really kind of pretending to be something they're not or pretending to be pretending to be in a hip hop video or something like this. Um, it was just very eyes down yeah, and just, just listen to the DJ and, and just, yeah. And just, you know, just being inside the music. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was incredibly fascinated by it and it was very eye opening and yeah, it obviously made me want to start making dubstep and seeing, you know, like, you know, I just wanted to make music with lots of bass because mm -hmm. for me, it was just very warming and very just visceral. Um, yeah. And yeah, those are like really good, good times in my life. And um, yeah, I sort of kind of scrapped making this, you know, those Jay Diller type beats. And I was like, you know, I, I feel like dubstep being from London, this, this, I feel like I should be involved in this somehow and, mm. um, you know, kind of contribute. Yeah, of course. Um, is there one particular dubstep night that like you still think about today and you're like, wow, I can't believe I was actually there for this party? Yeah, I mean, the, the two main ones was Mass, DMZ at Mass, mm -hmm. um, which was in an old church in Brixton. Um, and um, obviously Digital Mystics, DMZ would play. Um, and there was also a small pub called Red Star in Camberwell, South London, which was the, the, the first where the whereas the first time I saw Code Nine play, um, and being really blown away by his sets because they weren't just dubstep. He would be mixing a lot of grime and 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 dancehall. Um, so that exposed me to you know like other things other than just straight dubstep, which at the time was very half step, very minimal, mm. um, and and. Not so much wobbly, like crazy wobbly, but very, very wavy bass, I would say. Um, and then, yeah, and then every week there was forward at Plastic People, which which really crossed over um, a lot of styles from London. So there was always like grime MCs over dubstep. Um, mm. So there would be like, you know, a young Skepta in there, like um MC and over a plastician set or you know uh, n type set and yeah this to me was just friggin amazing um, <laughs> um so yeah I spent a lot of time in plastic people and it was just a tiny little spot 
um, just in a basement in on Curtin Road in in Shoreditch, East London, and um, and and that's where I met like you know a lot of my a lot of a lot of friends. I mean, people that I would you know call friends, um, <laughs> long, uh, music friends, like you know just meeting people like uh, like Ben UFO, for instance, or One Man, or Bok Bok, just people like this, and just you know just being that generation of yeah. Yeah, I fans, and you know, and now we're trying. We'll, you know, we were fans of that music, and now we're all doing our own thing, DJing, and and you know, and such, and producing. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, uh, I actually did a club management episode with Bach Bach, and he did uh, mention the Forward Parties and how they were just so influential to what he does now. And you guys just recently played with each other for the first time, yeah? <laughs> yeah, in Berlin, um, just a, just a few days ago, last Saturday. Wow. Um, I mean, we've played together in London before, but like we've never been booked outside of London, not even in the UK, oh, and definitely okay. not ab- abroad. So, um, yeah, it was just. It was, it's kind of unbelievable that we've never been booked together. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was fun. It was just, you know, you know, DJing with your friends. That's like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the set flowed nicely and it was, uh, yeah, I think we communicated very well and yeah, we did it. Yeah, I love that. Um, I want to talk about those sort of early dubstep projects that you were putting out, um, I'm interested to hear about the story about how you connected with Hyperdub because, you know, when we talk about labels in this sort of climate now where, you know, some artists may see labels as a bad guy and they're trying to like take money from you and whatnot, but there are some artists that have really leaned on and built beautiful relationships with labels that, you know, they call family to this day. Um, and it seems like Hyperdub has really been close and family to you throughout the years. Um, how did that connection form? I was sending Code Nine uh, some some bits and um, on a on a forum called Dubstep Forum, which was where mm-hmm. the community came together and you know talked about nights or new tunes and and things like this. Um, and yeah, he really liked it. He was one of the first people to cut it on dub plate. Um, and that made me want to see him more because I was like, mm-hmm. is he going to play my tune? Like the fact that he's actually spent money and cut it on acetate just blew mm-hmm. my mind. Um, and then, yeah, and then seeing him play out <laughs> at nights and it getting like reloaded like three times, you know, <laughs> it was just crazy to me. Um, and then, then yeah, what happened? I mean, yeah, there was a few other DJs playing it. And then I think I was a bit cheeky and I was like, do you want to release it? Just, I just thought I'd ask. Wow. Um, and not thinking anything of it because, you know, Hyperdub was, you know, the home to burial and I just... I just didn't imagine myself on it at all or you know think that you know my music was good enough to to be on hyperdub um and then he said yeah he was like well you need a you know you need a flip side to it so maybe start working on that and yeah so yeah we really like I should I didn't even say the tune the tune was called please Mm -hmm. um um and then yeah I made the the flip side called simulacrum and then yeah we released it 2008 yes i'm gonna say please is probably one of my favorite tracks of yours um you know it's got this like yeah just very just kind of (laughs) like i don't know this hypnotic kind of groove that i remember when i first heard it i was like this is unique it's also like something you can move to too but like i don't really know how to feel about it but i do like it Yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird guessing. little one. Yeah, it does keep you guessing. It it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like probably like three four 
tunes like all in one um yeah. which is like yeah just a bit kind of wild in in you know dubstep mm-hmm. terms um but yeah, yeah I mean I, I remember finishing the track and just being like yeah this is quite a funny track but it actually has some weight to it mm-hmm. um and yeah I'm, I'm just very happy that that hyperdub kind of took a chance on it and released it Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to hear you say that initially you weren't even sure if it, you know, it, you know, if it would even blossom into anything. I'm wondering if you ever had that like aha moment when you're like, okay, maybe, you know, obviously you know that you're good at doing what it is that you do, but sometimes we always have to have that kind of light bulb moment that goes off that reminds us, oh yeah, I actually like this. I'm good at this. You know, <laughs> people like this. I'm wondering um, if you ever had, well, when that moment came to you rather. I think really just in the last two years, <laughs> to, really? be, to be very honest. What? Um, I've, I've, I just feel like I'm just very good at what I do now, but i I don't know maybe I just had imposter syndrome but um um I think I've just been working up very slowly up until this point and I, I mean I guess like bubble up the bubble up pp is not really out yet I think it's out this week but um I'm just excited to see the, the future of this particular style and this chapter of my life in terms of music um mm-hmm. and I, I know that's why because I've released like you know, free albums. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's like like tunes and and moments that I've I've been like, yeah, I smashed that. But um, mm. just now, in terms of my workflow, I know that I can go into the studio like like tomorrow and and come out with something sick and mm. and have confidence and and just believe in my source a little bit. I think I think that was a that's probably the case. Like, I didn't really have. The confidence really to be like yeah my shit bangs um, <laughs> <laughs> um but um, yeah I don't I, I don't know I'm, I'm I'm probably just like overly humbling myself but um mm. uh, I don't know for me it's like there's still a lot to be done there's still a lot of work for me to be done and I'm not where I think I I could be I haven't reached my full potential you know mm. I haven't evolved to my you know full form yet so mm-hmm. um and you know that for somebody that's been doing that 14 years and to say that is that's you know that's a bit it's a bit weird but whatever it's <laughs> um that's just how I feel you know yeah. bottom line is there's still a lot more work for me to do and that's a beautiful thing and some in some sense, I would say if you felt like there wasn't anything more to do, then that would be weird as well. <laughs> you know, like you, there's got to be so much more, you know, ground to to kind of venture and things to do. I mean, that's what that's the beauty about music. There's just literally just endless supply of it and you can make anything. Mm. Um, but yeah, so going from this sort of dubstep informed sound to what you make now it was really interesting uh last year when you came out with that track on digitalis yeah and you were actually singing on your own tracks which was like the first time that you were doing that yeah um so yeah digitalis was a compilation put out by adult swim um Mm -hmm. and the the track from me was called no way Mm -hmm. um and yeah um yeah that's the first track I've put out with my vocals on. Not, not necessarily the first track I've recorded with my vocals um, because mm. yeah, um, timelines kind of differ with like, you know, releases and, and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is, this is something I kind of got into during lockdown, particularly ju- just during the end of lockdown where we were allowed to go places, but 
you still had to be alone <laughs> or you still had to social distance or oh, in my studio at least it was like you, you couldn't you couldn't have you could only work there by yourself um um because I, I work in a kind of co-working space almost like a pirate studios um so it was like you you weren't allowed guests during that time and you know I was kind of very itchy to have I was itching to have vocalists come in and um and just you know hang out and and maybe lay something down um and and the thing about my studio is that um there's always like very nice mics there and I was kind of like messing around with I'm a piano because I've been very influenced by that style of music for mm. a few years now. And um, what I noticed with I'm a piano was it just seemed like everybody had the same sample pack yeah. and was using the same kind of chants and the same idents and the same transitions, in, you know, from the intro to the drop. And that, what I just wanted to do was just record my own chants, like little yes and haze and oh and hey, like all this kind of stuff um and I was just gonna make a little folder of them and yeah I mean I just started recording that kind of stuff like O's and stuff um just little breaths um and then I just thought I would just try and say stuff and um and then that kind of progressed into singing you know a couple of lines and I and I kind of had um um just like classic house um in my head a little bit where there'll be like a lot of one-liners and and sort of when um like Chicago House was kind of turning into Duke and footwork and it would always be these kind of one-liners and sampled one-liners um I had that in my head um because I didn't really want to do like full-on songs with like verses and choruses I just wanted you know a a chorus like and maybe a pre or post chorus um just just to keep it clubby and keep it simple um so yeah that's kind of how the singing came about it was you know a a a lack of vocalists and being able being allowed to work with vocalists and and you know and then the other part was just me just trying to create a new kind of sample pack or palette for myself to use um but I just got carried away with it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it sounds so good though um you know i um thanks as, as i'm on my early um production sort of journey i always think about toying around with my vocals and i'm like oh, i don't know if i like listening to myself sing <laughs> well this is the thing i ha- i like sat on the tracks for such a long time and i was scared to to play them out in my sets and i i really had to kind of recruit some of my music friends to be like does this sound shit? <laughs> like, can I, do you think I can sing? Can I sing? And, you know, um, speaking to people like Scratcher, um, Shannon SP and Shaiwan, and they, they really kind of, you know, gave me the confidence to be like, yeah, this is sick. You should, you should keep doing this. And, you know, and maybe even like try out live, like, you know, while you DJ. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, big up them lot because they really helped me and and otherwise I would probably still be sitting on all these tracks and not releasing them. <laughs> um, listening to the RA podcast as well. So you were actually making a lot of your music while you were pregnant. Is that right? I get very confused with the years, the, the, <laughs> especially when we've kind of deducted two years already. Yeah, from that's COVID. Right. Um, 2017. Oh, okay. And then I was, I, I was like in a mad panic because I was like, oh, you know, my studio is going to get turned into a nursery and I'm not going to have anywhere to work. And 
I, I was very hyperactive with the beats I was making. I was just going in every day, like making two, three beats wow. a day. Um, and just kind of just stacking up, just, you know, kind of, um, you know, what bears kind of do, <laughs> or squirrels do, just like collecting, <laughs> collecting all my nuts for, for hibernation. Um, so, yeah. so that's really what that was. And um, actually a lot of the demos and the beats that I made during that time are finally going to be be released <laughs> probably what? probably next year and it's um it's a project i've been working on with a vocalist so it's like a full vocalist project um but i'll chat about that maybe another time yeah. um but it's just it's just weird the timeline you know like these beats that i was stacking up um kind of kind of kind of come into light slowly over a few years um but very well worth it because you know if I didn't make those beats like this vocalist wouldn't have jumped on them so you know yeah. very very lucky and and I was making kind of um the bodies EP as well around mm -hmm. that time um and that was quite a um a, kind of a slow process um not in mm -hmm. terms of making it was just I don't know maybe yeah maybe in terms of making it I I think we kind of went back and forth with the mix downs and such or back into the projects and just deciding what tracks to use um but yeah it was kind of nice that bodies kind of you know while my body was changing um you know I was making this EP and it kind of that whole timeline was was very nice for me to just kind of you know remind me of, of that stage where you know before I was pregnant I was like partying loads and then being pregnant, just being completely sober and touring sober. Um, mm. And then obviously releasing bodies um, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I it's funny. I, I did before I got on the uh, call with you a couple of days ago, I did an interview with a DJ from New York called DJ Lindsay. And she talks about some of, you know, her, her early pregnancy days and how after she had her child, you know, she was still sort of trying to juggle around being a DJ and a mom. Like, I think she told me a crazy story about how she um, <laughs> was like pumping for her kid right in the club <laughs> bathroom before going home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, we, we just have to go through so much as women. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I remember my first gig back was in Austria and it was for a festival and I was still, you know, you know, I was still had to, you know, pump out the milk and, and kind of throw it away as well. But it was like, you know, it was just, I don't think people realize like, you know, how painful it is and oh like, and, and, you know, leaking and such and all this kind of thing. And it's just, it's just, a, you know, while everyone's at the after party, I'm just in my hotel room, just, yeah, pumping out milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about how, um, your pregnancy sort of informs your informed bodies, but mm -hmm. after you gave birth to your child, do you feel like your music shifted in any sort of way? Did it shift? Um, I'm not so sure. I think, I think it's definitely just, I, I think it's more the workflow. Like I'm a lot faster at making beats, weirdly mm -hmm. enough. Um, and like I said before, I do a lot of kind of production in my mind and being like you know I need this needs to get done like this or I need to take this out or whatever mm. um but my approach to music I I feel like I'm I'm more serious about it mm. I mean I mean it's still fun and it's it will always be fun but um I I tend to take 
just a lot of time listening back and being and and kind of just sitting on tracks for it just for a little bit just to be like you know can this last like you know first of all can it will I get bored of it after a week of listening to it or a month listening to it or like six months or even a year Mm. so I think that's my approach is I think I just want to create more I don't know just be a bit timeless like just you know just make something super super good because mm-hmm. I feel like there's maybe a um a lot riding now do you know what I mean like there's yeah. you know I've got you know other things to to look out for and and maybe the financial aspect as well like I need every single release now to be really good and mm-hmm. I can't I can't really flop now because you know it's you know I've got another person to to look after and and um, yeah. and it's too late for me to start another career do you know what I mean so it's yeah. so like a lot rides on it so yeah. I, I think in that sense my approach has has changed and it's made me um just be a bit more adult about things mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah, um sure. yeah rather than just kind of being like yeah this tune bangs let me release it now kind of thing <laughs> just really being like you know is it gonna is it gonna stand the test of time is it a shelf life for it Mm, of course um i was reading that you actually made a track with your baby <laughs> yeah. I, I, um well yeah well, like I mean, a fun well like i think i read a tweet <laughs> that you were like making like a fun song but i didn't know if it was actually serious so <laughs> no there's just been times where i think the last tweet i was i was doing a dub plate special for scratches essential mix and <laughs> and i was and i was just you know singing a new bit for him and um and the, and the and the line on the song is it's the way you bubble up on me, girl. But I change it to it's the way they bubble up on you, scratch. Um, and so I could hear when I was like recording the vocals, I could hear like in my headphones, my my kid in the background saying it's the way you bubble up when you scratch it. <laughs> so I was just I was just cracking up at that, and um, um, yeah. So it's just it's just funny when 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 they're in the background and they do things like that. But. Um, but but they but they love playing with like little drum machines. Um, they like playing on the kind of Korg Volker AO8, um, and that's kind of like a fun toy to play. I think play yeah. with as a child. Um, but yeah, I did. Yeah, like I did a lot of mix downs with them sitting on my lap, um, and and they're very kind of just into it. They're just into kind of like mummy's work and and you know, and just sometimes they get a bit kind of bit jealous if I need to like finish stuff up or if I'm practicing uh-huh. DJ and they just want to be close to me and have a cuddle or just you know obviously <laughs> you know play with the CDJs and stuff and like you know twist all the knobs and um yeah I, I love that they're just so just into it and just you know they can they can have a play around with it because yeah um yeah, yeah. I, w- I, w- I, w- I wouldn't mind if they were a DJ and producer I think that's pretty cool uh-huh. I was going to say, yeah, um, I've been asking a lot of my moms this, like, are your kids looking at what you do? Are they asking questions? You think they might want to, you know, also kind of go down the road of music as they get older? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love that, but uh, ultimately it's their choice, isn't it? So I'm not, I'm not going to force them. <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah. Yeah, you got to. I mean, that's that's interesting, too. You know, I think um, it's funny. My, I'm, I'm going to do a, a a podcast with my mom later on today to kind of get her, you know, perspective on how she saw me kind of leading towards music. And her thing was like, you know, I just put you in a bunch of these classes, you know, from acting mm-hmm. and music. 
and whatever stuck is what I let you do, you know, and mm. I gave you that, that freedom to sort of choose. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear how that kind of has helped and shaped and informed me in some sort of way. So I definitely feel you on that one. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about the the new music that's coming out, Bubble Up. Um, what are we going to hear on this new project? Um, so it's a five-track EP. Um, three of the tracks have my vocals on them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the lead single is called Bubble Up. Um, and When You Look At Me is already released, so you can check that out. I guess when the podcast comes out, maybe the whole EP will be out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just... I'm just, it's, it's definitely like a, it's definitely got a club feel, obviously, because I'm a, kind of a club DJ producer, mm-hmm. um, but kind of poppy at the same time, but not in like a cheesy way at all, just very kind of, very positive, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, very I'm a piano influenced, very UK influenced, UK funky influenced and kind of everything in between. You got me in my feels. We should be together Don't wanna play these games We should get together When you look at me 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 I guess in a nutshell it's kind of UK I'm a piano um, And yeah I'm, I'm still quite nervous about releasing it because I don't know if people are going to like my vocals and I'm not, you know, entirely convinced of my vocal talent, but, um, (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm taking a risk here and just, and, and yeah, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, just using my vocals as well. It's just, I feel like I've had to like relearn a, a few things like, um, and kind of go back to basics on like my mix downs and, you know, just having your vocals is like, I think my music in general is quite, like I tend to fill up the, the frequencies range a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, how do I carve out a space for my vocals? So um, yeah, and, I, and this kind of makes me nervous a little bit because it's, you know, uh, I don't know, what am I trying? I'm not selling it at all, am I? <laughs> that's okay that's okay I I, I think it's okay to be nervous about your release because it's it's something very very new you know for me as well as you know people that you know are going to consume it so of course you know I think of new tracks or just any body of work for producers or any artist for that matter as a diary right so when you're Mm about to you know put that out to the world they're gonna see everything that went into it you know and that's that could be scary (laughs) so i totally get it but i'm excited to hear it um and i guess last question here i'm asking all my mamas what's the most rewarding thing about being a mom and what's the just the most challenging or kind of scary thing about being a mom especially in today's society (laughs) right yeah um the most rewarding is just you know, there's there's times where they could really, really piss me off and they, they just have to say something f- funny or cute and it just, like, it just brings a smile to my face and it's like, how can I be mad at you? This is, like, the feeling. I'm just, like, just unconditional love, the best cuddles of your life, <laughs> um, the best partner in crime. <laughs> um, 
yeah, for me, it's like just really fun. Um, I have such a cute, intelligent, funny child. Um, and, and they make me so proud every single day. And just the way they've learned so much already, um, you know, the things that they're into, I'm just, you know, I've got such a, such a happy, polite child. I'm just like, whoa, this is like, like, I can't believe like I did that. I can't believe I made that. Um, yeah, it makes me so proud. So beautiful. Um, and then anything challenging that you'd like to say about motherhood? Um, I, I think just the tiredness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, um, so an example, like right now, they, they've got a little bit of a cold. So last night they weren't sleeping very well and I just got back from Berlin. So I was tired as well. So, um, these, these are the things I think if, I think my motto is like, you know, you, you'll, you'll catch up on sleep again sometime you know (laughs) you know this is only temporary this is not forever um so those are the challenging bits just um just juggling time and obviously you know when they're they're feeling poorly um it's tiring for 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 everyone so um, yeah um but I've I've learned to like be fully functional with four four hours sleep <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, that's my that's my minimum amount of sleep that i can i can deal with we're coming out of the interview between me and iconica legendary stuff right there but we're going to keep things moving with the second and final interview next up we have super producer and DJ Sefa from Olympia, Washington. Sefa has been shaking up the dance community with her club heavy tracks filled with bass, footwork, Baltimore club, and beats that just make you move. Like Iconica, Sefa has a deep appreciation for club music from all corners of the world, and you can feel it in her sets and on her weekly Twitch streams. With two busy kiddos at home, Sefa always finds some time to get in the flow state with her production work and DJ sets. I was absolutely obsessed with her Thank You for Club Music EP in 2021, and honestly, everything else that's come out of her steady wave of production over the last two years. Now, the star is celebrating a dope release of Juke Bounce Works' latest JB Dubs compilation. I spoke to Sefa about club music culture in Seattle, how she makes time to create amid her busy parenting schedule, and what she loves the most about being a mama. Really nice to have you. I mean, this is our first time chatting, so I always love a good backstory. Where are you <laughs> from originally? Um, so I am from Olympia, Washington in the United States. And that's actually where I live right now. Um, it's about an hour away from Seattle, and um, it's the state capital. There's a college here that's known for being um, kind of like hippie-ish and um, like a lot of like liberal art stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I grew up around here. I've lived in a couple other places, um, but since I have a family and I have family here um, and they're a part of my life, this is the the best place for me to be right now. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, and I was so lucky to discover your music over the pandemic and watching your Twitch streams. And I love that your production really sits in this beautiful place between club music, but you also have influence of uh, footwork, Jersey Club in a little bit of your production. I'm interested Mm -hmm. how you were kind of tapping into all of these sounds growing up in Washington or, you know, during your upbringing in Washington. Right. 
yeah well i mean there's definitely a disconnect because um olympia specifically um like seattle is like uh kind of a house music type of city and um there's like a pretty good history there of different styles of house being successful there and then like when edm came around there was a um an edm boom there with festivals and stuff but um for me personally like in olympia olympia has a different musical background like it's known well for having like a lot of like you know the origins of riot girl and like a lot of punk and grunge um and so like i was more raised on like i was raised on a lot of things because my mom is a is a a music nerd a music head so like that's where i got introduced to a lot of things um and then the internet is how i got to a lot of the stuff that i'm into now because Mm -hmm. like growing up here it's like you know like nirvana and modest mouse like are from here and like lots of other like bands like that and so that's so dominant here musically that like anything else is kind of on the fringe Hmm. yeah seriously actually i didn't know that uh you said modest mouse is from washington as well I well so i think that they might be from somewhere else like portland or something but they okay. <laughs> um they worked and recorded here like because k records is from here um and so like them and also Beck recorded an album here. (laughs) So it's like a lot of people came here to work um, on the scene when, you know, K Records and a lot of early like grunge stuff um, and early indie rock was like happening. Mm. And and so I feel like a lot of people still hold on to that. Um, And like now a lot of the stuff, like we do have like folk and we have um, grunge stuff, but like a lot of the scene is also really like into like the hardcore punk and um you know like a lot of skater culture and stuff like that yeah growing up was there one place that you really sort of gravitated to to you know discover new music or like a club or a venue in particular i mean uh like seattle is where i got like a lot of my um formative musical experiences like my mom um i liked music a lot as a kid and my mom would like give me the opportunity to be introduced to stuff and then would like help me foster um like what i was interested in so like i got into james brown through like a cd of his hits and i was listening to that all the time and my mom actually took me to see james brown before he passed in seattle and that was like super formative and um kind of similarly for bobby mcferrin like i got to see him um conduct the seattle symphonic orchestra (laughs) um And that was amazing. And that's like, again, one of my most formative like musical experiences because I used to listen to this um, Bobby Farron and Yo-Yo Ma tape like all the time. <laughs> Goodness, that's so awesome. That just gave me flashbacks of, um, you know, my mom and, I, and my family. Um, we used to go down to Atlanta to this venue called Chastain a lot. And we would see all the really talented R&B artists. I think mm-hmm. it took me to see a Shaka Khan concert one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just awesome. like, yeah. you know, I love looking back on those experiences with my family and like thinking about my life now. And I'm like, okay, it totally clicks as to why I'm doing all the things that I do now, you know? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, Seattle, like that's the spot that I am musically now for the most part, because like, that's just where um, anything that's from outside of the Pacific Northwest, that's where people come, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start producing? Uh, I started when I was like 15 or 16. 
um, because I knew people on the internet who did it. <laughs> I was on like forums and stuff uh, as a teenager and I knew people um, through like online communities that had just like picked up dolls and started making stuff. And mm -hmm. so like some of the people I knew were listening to like more like IDM type stuff. Um, and so like people introduced me to like Aphex Twin and Venetian Snares and the Flashbulb and um, people that like in the, the aughts were like really big in um, those like nerdy online scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that was like kind of my like first thing when I got started is I um, got into FL Studio and just started making stuff and like trying to make like really weird out there stuff and try to see like what I could do um, with this like new power that I had discovered. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And there's just so much. I was just kind of look, taking a, a look at some of the stuff that I have from, from your, your work. And I mean, there's just so much, but I think <laughs> what really, really resonated with me was the uh, thank you for club music EP that mm -hmm. you came out with. Was that in 2020 or in 2019? I forget. It feels like it's, I think decades. it was 2021. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I had kind of a big year in 2021. And like the reason that that um ep exists is because um dj elise um and her stream like really got me into club music because she was playing club music all the time and like during the pandemic i found out about her because of jukebound's work and um she was streaming regularly and playing a lot of interesting music i hadn't heard before because i really wasn't familiar with the east coast club scene yeah. um and so she introduced me to a ton of stuff and and that's where I got into club music because I just started like looking into more and more because of her. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's a fact. She actually put me on to DJ Sega. I actually had no clue who Sega was before I started right. looking at the stream. So, I mean, it was just a gem to have that community, especially during that time where I think all of us were just so hungry to just communicate with people being inside the house. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just a really beautiful time. Um, while you were producing, were you traveling or touring at all? Um, I have traveled a bit, but just for personal reasons, I have never toured. <laughs> no, that's okay. You know, I always like to, um, you know, document how artists are sort of, you know, developing along in their journeys. You know, for me, I just started touring at like the tail end of 2019 and mm -hmm. if it pandemic i probably would have went back to china and started maybe taking djing to i don't know whatever the next level that it is that you're supposed to take it to right. um but i'm finding that it's transforming to for me in a different way right where now i want to tell stories about the cool people that are out there making music and i have the you know i'm fortunate to have some gigs here and there but um it's not the only thing that i would say makes up my musical story right mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always ask, I've been asking the, the last couple of guests, when you found out that you were getting ready to have a child, did that sort of almost like stop your creative process in a way because now you had to shift your attention to motherhood? I mean, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it changes like everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, um, did the, I mean, how did it impact you? Well, so I have two kids and both times, um, you know, there's a lot of changes like in 
expecting for them to come like and, and getting ready for them and mm-hmm. then when they show up like that's a new person that's in your life and they're just always there and like they become um the center of your world in a lot of ways and so um like you're saying like a lot of things do get put on the back burner because um you've just got to shift your priorities so the last person that i had interviewed was a young lady named steph and Basically, she was saying that it was just sort of hard for her at first to prioritize, you know, keeping in line with her craft, obviously, with what's going on in the Web3 community and also juggling uh, motherhood, especially at a time in the pandemic, right, where there was just so much going on in the background, Mm -hmm. being stuck at home. How was that period for you in terms of not only having one kid, but two kids to to look after? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy because, like, um, when the pandemic started, my youngest was, um, I think, like, yeah, only like one and almost almost two. Uh, or, and during that time, like now, she's um, four years old. And like so much of that time has been spent in lockdown yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, like I... <laughs> when other people had gone back to um, doing stuff more socially because there were vaccines for adults, the vaccines for small children still weren't out. And so um, my youngest only been vaccinated for, I think, like six or eight months or something like that. Um, and so my social life totally changed. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Um, because it's like, that's, kind of the thing with me getting into um these online spaces like twitch and there are other um places as well like i wasn't nearly as active on twitter for better or worse before that and that's um a place where i wound up like um getting introduced to a lot of people is like through the internet and especially since everyone came online like during the first lockdown um, people that were just like doing stuff in their scene and like weren't online as much, like everyone was doing virtual shows and um, getting in, involved in the online music because they couldn't be out. And so um, it was a good opportunity for me because before that I had been doing things um, mostly in Olympia and then like I had a small online presence, but mostly just kind of like kept to myself um, online and then I started meeting people and I w- was meeting people through the um, Data Fruits FM community, which is how I met um, DJ Girl who um, runs Eat Dis. And that's the center of a lot of my um, current, like people that I collaborate with and that I um, like working with musically. So it, it's been a cool introduction. And I, again, like with DJ Elise and Jugon's work, I got to get better introduced to those people and have gotten to meet, um, you know, both the Alexis and um, Joey and also Elise in person now um, mm. and like gotten closer to them. So we're not like <laughs> <laughs> super yeah. mega close, but it's been like, it's been really cool um, because the, those things largely happened because people started interacting more online and I started interacting more online. 
so funny. I actually got a chance to finally meet Alexis and Joey when I opened up for uh, yes. nowadays, not too long ago. And oh my God, it was such a beautiful experience just meeting them in person. And like, you know, you, you get to see like the personality behind the music and they're just so, such sweet people, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are like a lot of like the, um guidance for me and like the way that I navigate my career because I just it's so cool that there are people out there that are like willing to um like help mentor artists and like show the the way in to into the scene and like not a lot of people do that it's very very true all this gatekeeping and all that it needs to go away um i was reading your bio on uh bandcamp and it says that you make tracks to dance to and write your emotions in your songs um and you know a lot of producers a lot of artists really do that and you know are able to kind of work through all kinds of things that are happening in their life through their songs is there one particular song for you that just really just kind of, you know, expresses a point or time in your life that, that, you know, you want your fans or, or people who listen to your music to know about? <laughs> I mean, um, there's a lot of them because a lot of songs represent like a milestone. Yeah. Um, I have a song that's named Trillium Joan because that's the, um, the name of my youngest kid and I wrote that right after um she was born and it's just like the the energy of new life like I don't even know if it's that great of a song musically but it's it's crazy when you're able to capture something like that in art and then look back on it and be able to feel something like what you were feeling at that time I struggle to do that musically but like I when it happens <laughs> and I can <laughs> capture a part of my life musically and then look back at it it's always like so satisfying oh that's so beautiful um I know when we talked briefly on Twitter you were telling me that you took the kitties out for Halloween <laughs> How <Yeah. was> that? <laughs> it was good it was good um yeah it's really nice to be able to do um, things like that with them. We missed a year in 2020 and it's just like so cool to get to go out and show them that stuff. Oh, so cute. Um, I have a couple of questions, a few more questions. If... Please. Yeah. Um, hey, where'd my thing go? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. This is really, you're really getting to see like Shannon, how these interviews go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like prepared, but there's a beauty uh, for me in being slightly unprepared because I feel like I can really keep the conversation natural and flowing. So that's kind of like sure. the secret behind this. Yeah, no, it's a good, you make a good podcast. I like that it is conversational like that. Ooh. I hope I haven't been overly rambly. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> 
I'm asking all of my mamas, you know, what's the most rewarding thing about being a mom? And what's the most challenging thing, especially during this time where it just seems, you know, there's so much going on in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the most rewarding part is just that when you have children, those are people and they're not like little use. They're not, you know, anything but themselves. And I think it's amazing to get to, to know them and see them grow and interact with them and like help them explore their interests. Um, and I, I don't think, I can't imagine what my life would be like if I had gone a different path than if I didn't have kids because um, it is really challenging, but like, it's just such a, <laughs> it's a, such a deep experience. You know, it's like, it's constant because you're always putting work into, into parenthood, but um, it's satisfying because they're people <laughs> and you see in their emotions and in their development the work that you put in and the mistakes that you make and it's a mm -hmm. constant process mm -hmm. are you what are you seeing about your kids so far in terms of what they like to do or <laughs> do you think they will want to pursue music by watching the things that you do <laughs> i mean they both like music sometimes they can be a little particular about it and i'm fine with that i try not to force it on them but like they do um like playing with my dj controller and uh they like listening to to, to music like especially like um my oldest really likes playing video games and so he um is like super into yoshi games and super into um, like really cute video games. And so he'll want to listen to like the soundtrack to a Yoshi game <laughs> over and over and over again. And it's cute. It's cute. Um, but yeah, they definitely have different interests. Like, and um, like the older one doesn't really like to go outside and the younger one is like obsessed with animals and the outdoors and like <laughs> there's some conflict there sometimes because i'm like okay let's take a walk and the older one's like no and the younger one's like already out the door <laughs> oh my god that's so cute <laughs> they already have like their own little cute personalities absolutely and they do like um like people talk about nature versus nurture and i swear it's both because they come out and they are so distinct they're they're not you know, like, I, I feel like sometimes, like, socially and stuff, kids can be treated as, like, subhuman or, like, not complete people, but they come out as, like, full-grown people with their own, like, preferences and their own perspective, and obviously there's a lot of growth for, like, how they see things and their emotions and everything, but they're, like, so distinct. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. Um, I was going to ask, I thought I saw something on Twitter. Did you perform someplace recently or? Um, I have some gigs sometimes in Seattle. I got to open for um, DJ Native Son yes, for okay. House Party Seattle, which was really nice. Um, yeah, how was that? It was good. Yeah. I, I like getting to like, it's always an honor if I get to open for someone that I am a fan of. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a cool guy. I love the black grave culture. Um, mm -hmm. 
and yeah, I got to play um, like some UK grime tracks, like some mid two thousands ones, and got people going with those, and that was really fun. Nice, yeah. The house party DC people they seem so great. I always talk to um, I believe the young gentleman's name is Arel or Yep, yep. Yeah. He's yeah, he's yeah. the he's the mastermind. <laughs> yeah, I talked to him. It's really that. cool. Yeah. He's responsible for bringing a lot of um, club music and other like more global or like you know things in the united states that are happening that other people wouldn't bring in because a lot of acts you know they get either the people who are at like the you know the they're on really prestigious labels they have really big shows they um play like house or techno mostly and Arel brings in people who are like still well known usually but they're like more underground and they're more like doing something interesting um and I just love to see that. I love that um, that there's club music that comes to Seattle. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I mean, to be honest, I I never really associated, and this is this is terrible because I need to like do my history. <laughs> but I never <laughs> associated club music or house music with Seattle. So it would be nice to go out there and, and see what's what's going on and what the communities are cultivating out there for sure. You know. Yeah, it's an interesting scene, but there's there's good things going on underground for sure. It's mm-hmm. it can be a little challenging sometimes because it's like, um, you know, I think this is pretty normal, but a lot of the people that come out, um, they're not like super familiar with um, what a lot of the music is or the background of it. Um, and they're just there to like, you know, drink and party or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's not the worst thing in the world because it's cool to introduce people to that, but it can be a little bit of a tough crowd sometimes if you get people who come out and they're just looking for tech house and you're playing something else. <laughs> I was going to say, but how tough, like to the point where like no one's moving or the dance floor is clear. Cause that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, something I, yeah, something I've heard, uh, something Aurel said to me is like, you mess up one blend here and the floor just immediately clears. <laughs> Are you serious? That's so it, it can happen. It can happen. <laughs> Um, You recently talked about um, sort of the challenges of being a multi-genre DJ, and that hit so hard for me because there's so much damn music that I love to play, but it's like the hard part is figuring out the time, place, where Mm -hmm. to play these tracks. Right. I'm going through this like mental block right now. Like even with mixes in my own radio show, I'm like, what the hell do I play? There's so much good stuff out there. So yeah, you discern that as a multi-genre DJ as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Cause like you can't just jam it all into one mix. Right. Cause um, you've got to have some kind of context and continuity. You've got to have some kind of flow. Yeah. So I, I mean, for me, like, I don't always get it right, but it's just about finding a starting place and then finding things that make sense to like connect the pieces from there. And a lot of it is um, having bridge tracks because people who Mm -hmm. make, um, you know, like hybrid dance music that's got influences from different styles, like that can so often be a good bridge to switch from one thing to another. Um, And that's something, you know, I think I learned from um, DJ Noir as well, because there there are there's just these like these tracks where they may be like one out of 20 or whatever in your library um but they're like at a good bpm point or a good genre point where you can just slide from one thing to another and Mm. that's that's the grease 
Yeah. <laughs> you know who kind of makes tracks like that? Um, I was listening to uh, Huey Mnemonic, but he makes uh-huh. like more club clubby tracks underneath his other uh, alias, uh, PJ Swerve. That's what it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he makes a lot of really great transition tracks that you can like mix in in between, which I love. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... I'm still honestly finding the magic. I am like, I still think I'm a baby in this thing and there's so much more to learn. But like when you wrote that the other day, I was like, oh my God, I'm always thinking this, but I never want to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, like some things just don't go together, you know? And like, yeah, like you said, like finding the right place. Like, um, you know, I have a few Seattle people that I know, like, uh, Chet Magongolo, uh, or DJ Magongolo, uh, he plays like almost entirely footwork and he's really good at playing footwork and he's got tracks for days, but, um, it's like, how often can you find an appropriate place to play footwork at a club night in Seattle? You know, people aren't like ready to go at one sixty at 10 PM. <laughs> yeah. That is very true, too. Yeah, I'm still, and that's, oh my God, when I watched Joey and Alexis play, because they went back to back towards the end of the show, and like the way that they're able to control the room on 160, you know, like it takes so much. It's a craft in and of itself, a genre. And like (laughs) I tried to play a little bit of footwork. I mean, it went well, but I was like, I'm nowhere near the mastery that they have you know, spent days and hours and years practicing, you know, like mm-hmm. it's really an art. <laughs> it is. Well, and I think one of the things that's a challenge with, um, you know, DJing more than one genre is a lot of the genres like footwork is a good example um, where there's a reason that the music is like that, that's apart from just the sound of the music itself, you know, the connection to the dance um, and the footwork culture yeah. It, it it comes to the point where if you're an outsider to that and you're not familiar with it, it it's kind of a hard sell, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, that's the glory of a lot of styles like that, or that are regional styles is that they're like truly like for the community that they're from. And, um, but that makes it harder for outsiders to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. This is so true. But look, I can literally sit here and speak to you all day. (laughs) I have to like kind of pace myself because it can turn into like a two hour conversation. But I'm wondering, is there just one piece of advice that as a mom, you would like to let fellow moms know or something that you've learned over the course of motherhood over these last years that you think other moms out there should just embrace or or learn as well? Um, I think the hard lesson that I am still learning is pace yourself because Mm -hmm. you are as a parent without anything extra, just doing parenthood, always on the edge of burnout Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's so damn difficult and Mm -hmm. so constant. So you really like gotta not expect, like one of the things that I've gotten burned by is, um, looking at like how things are going for me and then looking at how things are going for other people that I know that maybe don't have kids. And I can't compare the two because I have to go at a different pace and that's fine. That's just how it is. Um, (laughs) Because you just, yeah, you got to go with the pace that isn't going to hurt you and burn you out and make you not want to do it anymore. 
is very true. Oh my goodness. I need to take that <laughs> rule out of that book. And it's I'm, hard. You know, I don't have to, yeah. but it's just like, even just like juggling all of my work. I always, you know what it is? I feel like, and I feel like my perspective now has changed, but it's just kind of like hardwiring myself to get out of this like hustle, always constantly feeling like you have to be right. productive and do things. Right. Like, I'm trying to prioritize giving myself time to just do nothing. And that helps to, you know, fuel back into all of the creative things that I love doing, you know? Absolutely. Um, I think it's a challenge because to succeed in, um, you know, in this industry and to succeed at most things in our current system, it's like that grind culture is really kind of necessary because the, the things that make people, succeed in the music industry are usually like, you know, they're consistent, they're doing a lot of stuff, they're highly visible. And so when you take a step back, because you have to heal and rest, that's, you know, you're going to take a hit from that. And you kind of just got to take the hit, because if you try to keep pushing through, the burnout's going to be even worse, because it's going to make you not want to, you know, not want to keep doing the thing, it's going to make it feel bad absolutely <laughs> yeah. true oh oh there's actually one more question i want to ask you i saw that um our people just recently played one of your tracks at a show yeah how was that that's huge. oh my god it's yeah i wish i had been there he but he played it in a, a mix a while back too it's the it's butterfly off of um jb dubs oh my god. nine and um it's an honor it's just such an honor because like obviously as a fan of footwork, like what could mean more than yeah. something like that from RP Boo? Cause he's, he's such a, such a legend. Yeah. <laughs> and so kind and down to earth too. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I finally got a chance to meet him at Dweller and like, he just so happy to be there and just gave me a big hug. Really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, I'm so glad that, he's still here and that he's doing everything that he's doing it's amazing that he's continuing to gift his music to the world We're coming out of the interview between me and Sefa. I love this entire series. And I know sometimes as women, we often think that when pregnancy comes around, that our life just has to change so drastically, right? Um, but this was a reminder. And what I've discovered from all my moms is that you can certainly have a killer career and be a badass mom as well. So, of course, it takes time, sacrifice, and ultimately, um, you know, scheduling. Things need to be changed around to, you know, make sure your kids are straight, but it can be done. We can have it all. And that was just a really great thing to take out of this, um, out of the series, you know? Uh, so when that time does come, hopefully I've got all my ducks in a row <laughs> and that support system around me, because I think that was one of the key things from this is that everyone that I've interviewed has a strong support system that they're able to, you know, help, um, as well. So absolutely love this. And yeah, this was the last episode of 2022. Thank you for every last click like, share, comment. 
I mean, this year has been phenomenal. And I know 2023 will have so many incredible stories. Um, and I just can't wait to uncover them. So I'll be taking the month of January off to reset. But in February, we're back with more episodes. Uh, but thank you so much. You can catch up on all of the episodes from 2022 anywhere you get your podcast. That's SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it. Uh, and if you'd like to donate to the show, you can on Patreon. Find us at patreon.com slash club management one. 